Hello, you're listening to We've Made It, brought to you by Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orme. This week, me and my co-host Zoe Williams are joined by a special guest. Janello Bally is a former Sewing Bee contestant, author and dressmaker. She is also one of the experts on the new BBC show Saved and Remade. In this episode, we chat about what it's really like to be on the Sewing Bee, how lockdown helped Janello to be more creative, and we learn some very useful sewing tips. On with the show. Did you learn, you know, from other people in your family or did you just pick it up? Um, well, do you know what? I realised that my dad is actually quite artistic as well. So um, I recalled not too long ago a childhood memory of drawing my dad, you know, you know, as a child, you draw pictures of your mum and dad, you know, and him laughing about it. And then he um, took pen, a pencil and paper and drew me. And I remember that picture and it did look just like me. So I remember my dad being quite, because I've wondered like, who's the craft? Who's, who's artistic? Because my mum sure isn't, <laughs> you know, she's a businesswoman. She's very, very, you know, like she's, she's a core businesswoman, you know? And I was yeah. just thinking, where did I get this from? And I realised it's from my dad. He's very, very artistic, you know? And although he, he attempts DIY, he does it in his own quirky way. <laughs> I I do think DIY is an extension of crafting basically isn't it I definitely think so too mm. yeah so that's why he came to mind when I was thinking where did I get it from but as for the actual sewing thing I learned from a lady who makes um who used to make clothes for me so I call her aunt for respect Nigerian culture but um she's not we're not actually related and she, yeah she used to make my own clothes for me as well so I just I learned from her oh that's lovely what kind of things did she make for you um, so with Nigerian culture, we still have a lot of our clothes made, especially for occasions, um, weddings, birthdays, parties, that kind of thing. It's very, it's very normal to just have an outfit made for that. So she used to make me things for things like that. So if I had an occasion to attend, I would take fabric to her and, you know, she would make it up. I'd pay her to make me something. Uh, and when I decided that I was going to learn to sew, I kind of naturally went her way because I was intrigued by what she did. You know, and she's the only one who I knew, you know, could make clothes that really actually fit because she was the only one who was making for me. So that was evidence. So I went to her. So how old were you then when you started sewing? I was in my 20s. This was 2000 and I think I was about 24. Yeah, I, was tw- I think about, I was about 23 or tw- 23. Yeah, I was 23 because I made my birthday dress for my 25th birthday. So I was already sewing by then. Yeah, I was about 23. Wow. So that's, that's quite a good learning curve then. You must have picked it up quite quickly. Yeah, I did because, and that's the thing, I'm quite handy. You know, my mum my used to always say my blessings are my hands because I, I'm, I'm quite good with just making or putting things together. And that's how I learn. I learn from looking. You can really see that in how you went. Well, when I saw you on the sewing bee when you were making clothes and the fact that you obviously use the sort of more freehand pattern cutting that you sort of make it visually. I, I would see you sort of looking at one of the models and then holding the fabric up and almost, you could almost see it emerging as you as you worked. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because that's exactly how I work. So I'm mm. looking at the person and I'm looking at the fabric you know, and I'm literally translating that fabric onto their body in in the design I see in my head. And that's why I was so drawn to freehand because I, I, I visualise things a lot. I can look at something and go, oh, this is, how I, this is exactly how I want it to be. 
you know so that was what drew me to actually want to learn the freehand style rather than pattern because I know if I was going to do patterns then I would be restricted to the design of the pattern if that made any if that makes any sense that's interesting because it sounds like you do it in quite an intuitive way so is it that you have the image in your head and you then design to that or do you have any any process do you sketch ideas down or or that kind of thing the first the first thing you said would definitely be my go-to process I would normally when I see fabric then I see what I want it to be and then I work from that way but sometimes say for instance if I'm um, designing for somebody because I take commissions now so if I'm designing for somebody then it isn't always a case of me seeing the fabric and then um, going for it it's it's there's more to that process because then I want to get to know the person what they want what what are they trying to achieve with this outfit what's it for you know have they already bought fabric that they want me to use or that kind of thing so it's a completely different process and that and with that I would then definitely do sketches because they're not in my head so they need to see what what they're going to what they're going to look like but when I'm making for me or for my daughter now you know I was definitely that's how I would see the fabric and I'll see what I want it to be and I'll purchase the fabric based off of that. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, I'd never seen, um, I'd never seen this method of making clothes before. Like uh, it sounds sort of, um, sounds surprising, but um, I'd previously thought dressmaking was, you know, you buy a pattern and then you make that pattern. Um, What would you, would you, what would you have any tips for people at home who wanted to try a more freehand style of making clothes? So when I go, when I went fabric shopping with the lady who taught me um, and I'd see fabric I really love, you know, I'd be afraid to buy it because I think, oh gosh, what if I ruin it? So what she said to me, and I, and I passed this on, is start cheap. There's loads of fab, um, fabric shops where you can get things, markets and fabric shops where you can get really cheap fabrics. Two reasons why this works. The first reason why she told me, you know, start cheap. So if you ruin the fabric, it's not too painful, right? Mm. And it's a learning curve. So you could actually learn something different on the way where you were going down one way and then you went end up going down the other way and you've learned a new cut or that mistake you learned not to make it again, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is, I find this, for instance, things like chiffons and silks and all those kind of things. If you buy the cheap polyester version, yeah, they're very difficult to handle. They're far more difficult to handle than the actual real things, right? Mm. So when you start off with that one, you get a, a, a hand for how to work with these really fluid and difficult fabrics. So by the time you get onto the more expensive stuff, it'll be easier to work with because they're just far easier to work with. But you've already trained your hands to to work with very challenging fabric. So by the time you get onto the more expensive stuff, the handling of the fabric isn't a problem anymore. That's a great tip. We've been talking recently about how... um, during lockdown a lot of people have had, have been buying fabric online more and then you don't get that experience of like handling it and seeing it you know which you would have done um have you had that thing happen which i've had where you order the fabric online and when it comes you're like oh <laughs> this isn't what i expected do you know what i really don't like to order fabric online i really it's what this happened to me before you know you order something yeah. and it's just not what you expected at all so I only ever order fabric online that I know what it is and what I try to do as well is make relationships wherever I go to buy fabrics I've got places that are my go-to for certain things right so where I make great relationships with the people with the merchants who are selling the fabrics 
so if there's for for any reason if I need something and the the reason why I did this as well was if I had an emergency situation and I couldn't get down there because sometimes I get commissions for with a very very short turnaround time and I can't get to London on time because I live in Essex I can't get to London on time and whatever so I've made great relationships with a lot of fabric merchants so I just call them up and say okay can you send me so-and-so fabric can you send me this can you send me that you know so what I do, that, that's another tip, you know, whenever you're buying fabrics, make relationships with the people who are selling it to you. So then you know what they've got in stock. Do you know what I mean? And they kind of have an idea of the, of the kind of things you like. And, you know, you can ask them questions. What, what does it feel like? Is it is it soft? Is it drapey? How drapey is it? Is it light, medium weight, heavy? You know, what's the texture? What's the composition? Whatever. You can ask them all of those and they'll have that time for you, you know, because you have that relationship with them already. Uh, yeah, so I don't like to order fabric online unless, unless I've seen it before or unless the picture is just too amazing and I just can't resist. Yeah. <laughs> then I do that. <laughs> I do think it's a, a human condition of those of us that like to sew the constant um, interest in acquiring new fabrics. <laughs> Gosh, it's, you know what? Yeah, it got to a point where I sneak fabric into the house now because my husband's like, come on, how much fabric do you really need? I think it's like that with most crafts, isn't it? That you've always got to have a little bit more and you see something and you're just like, I don't know quite what I'm going to use that for, but it's going to come home with me. <laughs> and the crazy thing is I always buy it saying, right, oh yeah, I need to make this dress. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, this is what I'm going to use this for. And I never do. I've got such a backlog, honestly. If I decided to go through my backlog, I'd probably be sewing for myself for the next 10 years. Do you get to sew for yourself and your daughter much or does it tend to be more commissions now for other people? Um, it, that's what it, that's what happened. It, it ended up being um, very, very much work. And I think mm. I discussed this recently with probably a magazine or something. You know, I got into that place where it became um, work and it affected me in the sense that it, it started to affect my creativity because I love to explore. I love to um, <clears throat> try out new things. And just my making for myself was, it really gave me that because I, it was a very organic process. It was very, very, there was no restrictions. Even though I started off with one idea, I could end up down the road with something completely different. Now, I only have like a handful of clients who give me that liberty. So all my other clients or other people, obviously, you know, when you're making for somebody else, the sketch is done. You have to go with that. It has to be what they're expecting, you know? So it became very much work like that. So although I was still being creative, it wasn't in the way that was natural to me, how I started off. You know, so during the lockdown, I was really able to get that back because nobody was going anywhere. So there were hardly any commissions during lockdown. So I was able to really, really make things for myself and my daughter. So I was able to really experiment and really, you know, do what I was doing before. And that really, really helped me get back, like get through a creative rut that I was going through. You know, and also doing my my new book as well helped me with that because I was able to block out time and just do my do my book stuff. You know, so I wasn't um, taking much commissions around that time. So again, I was able to access that that natural pool, as it were, of you know just going for it and that that yeah that that's what that did for me. Yeah. So can you tell us about your book that you're writing? Yeah. No, it's, I've written it already. It's it's out. Ah, you're done. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, <out>. yeah. <laughs> So I was losing track because I know you've done a couple of books. I was like, is it the one that's already out or is it some secret secret one that you're working on? <laughs> no, it's the one that's come out just now um, on the 15th. That's so chinello. Yeah, so that one, it's... Um, 
this time around, I, apart from the freehand fashion projects within, I mean, the whole thing is freehand, but apart from the, sta- the standalone projects, I did um, some upcycle projects in there as well. And the reason why I wanted to do that was because I had a few reasons, actually. I felt like, you know, I was becoming quite wasteful. And I feel like it's not just me. I feel like a lot of people have fallen into this, you know, fast fashion, disposable fashion. And although I was making my own clothes, it's like I'll be making it for something. And once it's made, I'm not wearing it anymore. Or, you know, I had loads of clothes clothes in my wardrobe that just wasn't wearing anymore. And they were just there. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Whilst I was clearing out, you know, there was just lots and lots and lots of stuff I hadn't worn in years. And they were just there. You know, I thought, I know that I can turn these things into something I will love again. And I'm sure there's lots of people in the same situation who have clothing that, you know, they just, you could definitely use again, but you just don't like it as it is anymore. Maybe it doesn't fit very well anymore. So that yeah, was, I agree. That was one of the th- reasons why I did that. And obviously I also was pregnant and I knew I'd be making clothes for my daughter from my own clothes or from my husband's clothes. And I wanted to share that with people as well, that this is something that you could do, you know, take something and add serious sentimental value to it. You know, and then also um, it's part of the way I actually started learning to sew. I, I did start with upcycling things. So before I went to my aunt and she taught me how to sew, I would buy, you know, two different tops because I liked, um, I've got a very individual sense of style. I liked the way this looked, and, but I didn't like this part of it. And I liked the way this looked and I didn't like that part of it. So I'll cut it up and she'll put it back together for me the way I wanted it. So I could have like two or three dresses or outfits in that one because I just wanted this part, that part, the part and the other part, right? Or I'd buy accessories and use it to embellish something that was really simple. So give it like a new lease of life and make it something that I would want to wear. So that's actually how I started sewing. Yeah, I think there's something nice as well about taking something that maybe you're a bit, you've got sentimental attachments to or a memory and making it into something new. I think that's really interesting. I don't know if you watched um, uh, the series of Save Them we made on Monday, just gone. Um, So the presenter, Sabrina, she had her sister, um, Raquel, who died 10 years ago. Suddenly, um, they had all these items of, of hers that they had upcycled quite a lot of them, but they had this box of denims that, her mum, you know, she it was it was she was so attached to it, you know. And when the denim came in, I remember Sabrina saying she could still smell her sister in the clothing. Um. Yeah, so it was such a moving. I don't know if you watched that series. It was so, it was such yeah. a moving thing that happened. I mean, there was no dry eyes that day <laughs> in the studio. I can tell you, even the cameramen, everybody was in tears, literally. And I was really scared of the edit, thinking. The whole nation is going to see me bawling my eyes out as I presented <laughs> it, but they did a great job of editing it, to be honest. Because <laughs> honestly, it was so moving. And to turn that into something, so you've got two personalities there. You've got her mom and you've got Sabrina, right? Mm-hmm. And they had all this denim, and to turn those denims into something that would suit both of them. And my idea for the mom was to just give her something that would be hugging her. You know, so I thought of like a kimono or a jacket. And naturally went for the kimono because of the amount of fabric that we had, you know. And when she wore it, she said she felt like she was being wrapped in her daughter. Yes. That was it for me. That was literally, <laughs> what, honestly, that was it for me. And it was such a huge responsibility. I'm just saying this because you're talking about the sentimental value attached to stuff. Yeah. You know, we just don't sometimes take for granted how the simplest things could mean so much to us. 
especially in the case of loss, like this situation, you know, the I mean, jeans, something that we dispose of very yeah. easily, you know, but it had so, so much meaning, huge, huge, huge sentimental value. And to give it a new lease of life where all the sentimental value in it is remained and then gone on to mean something more. I mean, mm. for me, that was just, that was it, literally. That is just the most, that's actually made me a bit emotional. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I have my mum's winter coat that I wear every winter. And for similar reasons, I, I exactly as you described it, it does feel like she's sort of with me when I'm wearing it. Yeah, I I have a similar thing because I've got my dad's old jacket because my, my dad died how long ago? Maybe 13 years ago now. And I think it's one of the only items of clothing of his that we've got. But I've got memories of, you know, being wrapped up in it as a child. And it's tat- it's tatty and it's a mess. But, you know, I still can't bring myself to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things like that, you know, you, 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 you just couldn't. You can't get rid of things like that because it has so much meaning. I think that's the lovely thing about Saved and Remade. So if you're listening and you haven't come across it yet, you should definitely check it out. It's available, is it on iPlayer? And to catch up on the ones yeah, that you've it's missed. Yeah, on iPlayer. Um, and the idea is a load of people come in and they bring different items that they want to sort of bring a new lease of life to. And Chanella, you're one of the experts, aren't you, that help them to do that? Yeah, yeah. So that was really fun, a really nice thing doing. Because I got, I actually got some really good ones. Um, I had a lady come in with her wedding dress. Um, Sabrina's, like I've just spoken about. Um, Titch, actually, one of the other experts, he had all these racing leathers and he needed, <laughs> he didn't, they, they, they were damaged. So he, he he didn't want to throw them away. He wanted them to be made into something else. And I turned it into a helmet bag for him. And what else? There, yeah. And there, we had Ava, who bought some fabric that her mum had given her many, many years ago. And yeah, I think that that those are the, what the projects that I did on that one. But it was really nice. It was really really nice to have something that had such meaning to these people, and then to be able to give it to them back in a way that they could love it again. So yeah, that that that's what I loved about that show. And all the other makers, I mean, everyone did some really brilliant makes. To be honest, yeah, I've got a load stored up to sort of binge watch next time I'm doing a bit of sewing in front of the telly. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I mean, at the moment, I'm working my way through some other shows, which I'm going to talk about later. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's so we're really spoilt for craft TV at the moment. It's it's brilliant. But is it? Uh, do you know what? Isn't that funny? I think the lockdown has something huge to do with that. Yeah, I do too. Because people, obviously, you're at home now. Um, you're forced to be at home now. Usually, you know, everyone would be going out or whatever, whatever. But now you're working at home. You have to find ways to entertain yourself at home and keep your mind going. You know, and I feel like crafting has really, really, really helped a lot of people, even with their mental well-being as well. You know, like I said, being able to go back to my to my natural way of sewing or my natural way of being creative during the lockdown for me was amazing. And it pulled me out of a little rut that I was having. So it was it was really good. So I know that crafting has, has helped a lot of people come out of a lot of different things during this lockdown. So I think naturally they had to bring us a lot of crafting shows. Yeah, I think um, there's something about stripping away all of the daily distractions that we have. Um, and it leaves you with, the, you know, it does sort of leave those basic instincts of making things with your hands again. It's interesting that you've said it, it's been creative time for you. I think a lot of us have found that. Yeah, I think I've mentioned on here before, I did a lockdown blanket crochet, which took me forever, but I'd had it as one of my projects to do for ages and lockdown made me finally do it. I think a lot of us are like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of TV, 
Should we? Can we ask you a bit about what it was like to be on the sewing bee? It was lovely. I remember actually my first day <laughs> coming through those doors. You know the double doors as you walk into the actual sewing yeah. room. We were stood outside there waiting to do our fancy walk-in for the very, very first time. And I thought to myself, what am I doing here? <laughs> because I remember being at the auditions and um, some of the people that came for the auditions, I mean, absolutely amazing things. And there I was with my two years of experience thinking I'm coming on this show to come and do sewing beat <laughs> with all these brilliant people. So I just thought, oh gosh, these are the caliber of people that I'm up against. And I just, I, just this wave of nerves just hit me. And I was like, what on earth am I doing here? You know, then we go through the sewing doors and um, through the sewing room doors, sorry. And then the first, the first challenge, I believe, was the pattern challenge. And that was the very first pattern I had seen face to face. Like the very first dressmaking pattern. During our audition, we did a tote bag, which we had a pattern for, you know, which was pretty okay. simple. And I think that's probably what gave me the... Um, the audacity not to go and buy a pattern <laughs> and because I knew I'd be doing pattern challenges but I don't know why I didn't think okay you know what buy a couple of patterns and just practice before you go on the show I didn't do that I think that was down to the tote bag being so simple you know and then we got and Patrick Grant said he loved my face when I opened the pattern you could genuinely see that I was afraid of it <laughs> <laughs> I think the pattern challenge is where people quite often come unstuck. I mean, I know you haven't been able to watch the latest episode, but last night's one, they all had the same shorts pattern. And I think about half of people, about half of the people, I would say, uh-huh. struggled to do the turn up because uh, either they hadn't read the pattern all the way through or they'd read it and somehow misinterpreted. I'm also just trying to imagine that, like, the first time you come across a sewing pattern being when there are loads of cameras recording you <laughs> making that pattern. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And at that stage, because there was still 10 of us, I believe, I believe our series had 10 of us, because there were still 10 of us, there was really about 60 people in the room. Oh, God. You know, because you've got all the people behind the camera, loads of people behind the camera, and then you've got all of us sort of um, stationed at our little stations. And it was just like, oh, my God. Why didn't I think to go and actually buy a pattern and practice? <laughs> I, I, I just didn't, I don't know why I didn't do that, you know. But anyway, we got through it. <laughs> we, we got through it. You really got through it. <laughs> All the way through it, didn't yeah, you? Right yeah. to the, the last week. Yeah. And then I was undone by the tie. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that tie pattern was hideous. <laughs> and I could see... May and Patrick, they were really, really, you know, Patrick actually came over to me, he goes, Shanelle, think of your husband's tie. Think of his ties. <laughs> and I was thinking, my husband hardly wears ties. <laughs> <laughs> so has it converted you to using sewing patterns or were you like, as soon as you stopped filming, you were like, thank God, I'm going back to my normal way of making clothes? <laughs> I can tell you the latter was the case. I definitely was like, thank God, I'm going back to my normal way. However, however, I do now make patterns. Ah, really? Yes, I do. So for certain um, certain clothing, I do what I do now because um, obviously on the business side of things, I make a base pattern for all my clients because I found that most of my clients were returning clients, right? So now if I get a commission, I will always make a base pattern because the chances are that person is going to come back. So I make a base pattern for them, and from that I use that to create the design patterns that I make for them. 
you um, you are like the perfect example of someone that takes something that they're not like taking a sewing pattern. So you've gone from I don't I've not used them before. I'll use it on air to now you basically make your own patterns for clients. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. So I still do my freehand cutting, but then I also just because it's a time thing. So I'm able to turn things around quicker. So I would have a base pattern created. And then from the base pattern, I I create the um, design patterns. Yeah. Actually, an- another question I had about sewing bee. So from your, from your time on the show, do you have any any challenges you remember that were your favorites and were there any that you really hated? Um, oh, I really can't use the word hated for any of them because I enjoyed, I really enjoyed my time on the sewing bee. That's the truth. I enjoyed my time on the sewing bee. I think for several reasons. First of all, I love being around people that make. So whether it's clothing, mm-hmm. foods, you know, crafts, whatever, I just love being in the space with people that make because I, I love learning new things. And I'm constantly looking for ways to learn new things. And because I learn by seeing, you know, I, that's why I genuinely just love to be around people making things because as you're doing it, I'm learning it, right? So um, that was one. I picked up so many tips from all the other people around because I, I had the least experience on the show. And you had people like Heather who won the show who'd been so for so many, many years. You had likes of Linda, Savina, you know, I remember a tip Serena told me about, um, uh, what's it called again? Interfacing, you know, with a horse hair interfacing and all these kind of things, doing the herringbone stitch, all those kind of things. You know, I remember that very well. Um, I remember things that I picked up from even May. So I loved her criti- her style of criticism because she, she wouldn't just pick you apart and say, right, this is BS. She would, you know, tell you, right, this is what you've done wrong next time this is the best way to go around it or this is the best way to achieve this you know and I I love that you know I love constructive criticism because I love to learn right so that's another thing I loved about the sewing bee um but challenge wise I'd say obviously the most challenging thing for me was the tie it was it was was the tie to be honest and that's because it was such a wordy pattern and I'm not great with that. I love pictures. And that's why my book is full of, you know, pictures, the step-by-steps. For me, that was the most important thing. And I know that a lot of people who are into crafting are very visual people, right? So you don't want something that's overly wordy. I definitely don't want anything that's overly wordy because for me, that can put me off. So um, that's why I, I, I've done my book in the way that I've done it. And that pattern was so wordy and I, I just got lost. I completely got lost, hmm. you know, and yeah, that, that, that was the one that was the most, I've not tried to make a tie since then. <laughs> not because I'm traumatized or anything. It's just, I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> I probably should, because that's one of the questions that come up a lot. Have you made a tie since that tie? I haven't. And I will, I will. But it's funny, isn't it? I bet, I bet if you did, you probably wouldn't do it with a pattern. You would just look at a tie and make it. Yes. I will yeah. attempt it like work that. It out. That's, that's, the, that's the honest truth. That's how, that's how I will attempt it. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was wondering actually if you could solve like a little mystery that we've always been wondering about because a lot of people ask us this do you know what has hap- what happens to the clothes on the show after after the show's finished the clothes that you've made yes it gets sent back to us oh, oh really yeah. you do get to keep them we do get to keep them so it comes back to us in a huge box and yeah you get to keep most of it most of it I don't think I got everything back but yeah I got most of it but then again I think probably because somebody's got some of my stuff because I've accidentally got some of someone else's stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I guess if they're made to measure for the models at the end, there's, you know, 
you won't be able to wear all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. We could have gifted them to the models. That's what I thought you would say, actually. That was what I wondered happened. Well, I guess it's because it's your make. So um, they probably just think, well, you would then be the one to decide if you wanted to gift it to the model or not. Yeah, and you could reuse you reuse the fabric, couldn't you? Because Definitely. I yeah. have reused the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm supposed to say that there because you're not supposed to do anything with them for a little while. But I think I'm, that time has lapsed now. Yeah, but yeah, I've used fabric. Oh, the fabrics are so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, especially for the made the the made to measure stuff at the end because you actually go you mm. get your own fabrics in, and you know you get a, a fabric budget. And I was just like, oh, I'm gonna go spend this nicely. <laughs> oh my god, I've always wondered that as well. Like whether you buy it yourself or you get a fabric budget for the made to measure stuff, you do. We did anyway. I don't know what they're doing now, but we, yeah. we got we got the fabrics ourselves. Don't you think, like, the fabrics that everyone chooses, it's sort of a wider pattern as well, but you just see the personality shine through so much from the, the, the complete different variety of fabrics that, you know, 10 or 12 different people would pick. Yes, especially for the made-to-measure. Because the other the other stuff, they the haberdashery there, so we pick from there for the other challenges. You know, but for definitely for the mate measure challenge, I think that's where you really see people's personality come through or their style. You, you really see it come through for the mate measure things because those are things that you go up and design yourself. You know, you um you select the fabric yourself. We just have a theme that we run with, and then we literally do the rest ourselves. So that's where you really see people's personalities come through. Yeah. Oh gosh, I thought all this talk of sewing bees making me feel like I'm missing out on a new series. <laughs> It'll still be there on iPlayer when you can watch it. Oh, that's going to be my first thing to do when I come back. What does it feel like when you're watching the show now? Um, I, I well, I I feel like I can I can identify with them and the challenges that they have whilst watching the show because I know that those time constraints are real, you know. And if you're mm. try, my challenge, I remember being there and thinking everything had to be finished to perfection within the time frame that we had. So I'd set myself yeah. these unrealistic. Um, challenges and just feel like okay right everything has to be finished to perfection and I'm talking about inside outside everything you know yeah. but then it's the penny drops somewhere closer to the end that some of this stuff you know no one's looking at the inside of it <gasps> really because I always imagine they do like investigate every last millimeter with it I think <laughs> with <laughs> with a he glass. pulls out a ruler sometimes <laughs> and pulls yeah. tape, but he does. I've seen so him do that <laughs> make sure that your darts are the same length and everything yes yes <laughs> But I think it's a case of being smart with which challenges. Like, for instance, the um, upcycling challenge. You know, no one's really going to go mm. inside of that and start checking how the inside looks. But that's how I was thinking when I first started, right? Everything is going to be scrutinised, you know. And then you're panicking about things that you really don't need to be panicking about. So I can, <laughs> I can totally identify it, you know, when I'm watching and I'm seeing someone's having a bit of a meltdown or someone's being ch- is challenged somehow. But then at the same time, it's actually a nice atmosphere in there. So apart from, you know, when you become aware of time, when we're just getting on and sewing our stuff, it's a really nice, friendly atmosphere. It does look like, I wish that, I almost wish someone could mark, like make the experience that you could go and be in a sewing bee type room you know with what? other people that, that like to sew. That would be such a great thing to do. I would definitely I be attending that kind of thing because I love, I, would. I love stuff like that. You know, like I said, it was such a nice atmosphere to be in. And I, that's one of the reasons why I loved it because just being around people who make was really nice. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a bit like, you know, they have the crystal maze experience. Maybe you could go and have a sewing bee. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. Come on, Gavin, work on that. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's that's our next project plan. <laughs> should Sarah. be. Yeah. See, I can, I, see, our chat has given you an idea, a new business idea. I I also think, like you were saying about when you watch the meltdown and you sort of empathise at home. Yeah. I think it's another quite universal condition for all of us that whether it's sewing or knitting, like we all have those points where we're making something and it suddenly just starts not going how you want it to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's just such a universal yeah. experience. Yeah, I think we've talked a bit about about we've talked a bit on here as well before a bit about crafting disasters and how sometimes things they don't turn out how you see them in your head. Have you had any particular experiences of that? Any things that have not turned out how you wanted them? Definitely. When I first um, when I was first learning to sew, but then I didn't see it as a bad thing. I saw it as a learning curve, right? So things I and I, I've said this before that um I would stumble on a new way to cut something, or I'll stumble on away something is cut because I was trying to do something and went down this road trying to figure it out and then I stumbled on something else and I oh that's how this is done so now okay I've got that in the bag I know how to get to this position next time right so I didn't always see it as a um, as a negative thing because then I was just making for myself so no matter what I'd make sure I finish that item to a point where it's wearable and I like it and I not just like I love it and if I go outside, I know someone's going to be, oh, this is really cool. How did you do this? Or, you know, so it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a negative. I didn't see it as a negative thing at all. You see it as the, the, what you've learned from the process. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy attitude to have as well, rather than being just like, oh, I'm so cross with this. <laughs> I'm going to give up. I was actually thinking that yesterday because I watched the latest episode of The Serving Bee and they were making belts, you know, when you've got to bag them out. And uh, it reminded me of one of my most stressful ever things, which is I was trying to make a Rulu, I don't know how to say it, Rulu loop, Rulu loop. Oh my goodness. Like I struggled and I struggled at getting that turn through. But as I was watching it, I did think, oh, I would be able to do that now because I've learned how to do it. Yeah. I remember I actually had a moment like that with Rulu, funny enough. I remember watching the first, you know, the very first sewing bee and it was um, Laura Guthrie. Mm, yeah. yeah she did these she, she made a dress and I think it was a little child's dress and had this beautiful really really fine rouleau loops for the straps I don't know if you remember yeah. that you I know. think I do actually yeah and I tried to get my rouleau loop that small <laughs> so I went and bought this little um it's like a, a, a little iron rod that's got this little clippy thing at the top of it that's what it's for it's for turning I've out seen those. yeah it was rubbish by the way sorry oh. <laughs> yeah it wasn't fantastic and I, oh gosh, I got so frustrated until yeah. I decided, I just, you know, right, let's be logical about this, right? I made a very, very thin, you know, made it very, very thin. And then I looped um, a thick thread around the top of it, right, at the pointy end. And yeah. that thread was attached to a, a, a thick needle. And I pushed yeah. the needle through the rouleau through, with the back end. So it wasn't the sharp end of it and got it all the way through to the other end. And then I used the thread to pull the rouleau through. So now I'm able to achieve like the finest rouleau with that method yeah. and it can be very long. Do you find like when, because that's the method that finally cracked it for me as well. Okay. And don't you think it's like when it finally comes out at the end, it's like so satisfying. It's so satisfying. <laughs> like, ah. It's honestly, it's like, yeah. And especially when it's a long rouleau and it's extra thin, I'm like, yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like pop and then it's done and you're like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, we'll have to make some Rulu loops together. 
I was just about to ask what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a less experienced sewer, so I was like, what is that? I'm going to have to go and Google that. (laughs) You've not lived until you've made really thin rouleau. (laughs) I guarantee you. (laughs) They're a bit like, you know, like spaghetti straps would be made out of them or or like Ah. thin belts. Yeah. I see. You'll find out soon enough when we practice Chinello's method that she just told us. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to have to teach me, Zoe. Well, uh, yeah, we can do that when we have our sewing bee, live sewing bee room that our we make. Our live sewing bee. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I will not have looked at the pattern beforehand and we'll just, yeah, you can show me. I really want to try um, the freehand cutting technique, Chinello. I'm going to get your book and give it a go. Yes, definitely, definitely. Get the first, well, if you really, really want to, I, I'd say, yeah, get the, get the new one mm. because that has the freehand and patterns there but the very basics of the freehand cutting is in my first book so I explained through a dress block skirt block um bodice block sleeve block and flare blocks mm. you know and then with those blocks I show you how to make different projects so if you're right if you really want to start from scratch yeah I'd say get the um freehand fashion and then yeah. get the um the new one so chinello but so Chilelo, obviously, we've got the upcycling projects in there. And then each project is explained from scratch with the freehand method as well. With the step, yeah. Because I, I do think sort of, I'm, I mean, how many of us are actually a regular size? But when I shop, when I shop for clothes, I'm, I'm never, a, I'm never a size that fits into the whole, Nobody you know. It's a, a standardised body, yeah. to be honest. And you know what's funny? When I, when I do my um, workshops... I often have people say, oh, my pattern doesn't, my piece doesn't look like hers. And I'm like, because your body doesn't look like hers, mm. you know? And this is how you're, you're making this for your own body. So everyone is so used to seeing the standard shape when they're cutting out their clothing, you know, and then they get to the point of fitting it out. And then by that stage, you, you, you don't, you're not seeing the flat piece anymore. So you don't realize that you've come so far from where, where you started originally with the flat piece. Right, because nobody is a standardized body. How many? As it's only yeah. a handful of people that will put on something that's been made from a stand form and it will fit perfectly. Only a handful of people. You know, most of us are. You know, different shapes, different sizes, all of that. And even the fashion industry is they're trying to accommodate for that now. That's why you've got the different ranges like petite. You've got tall. You've got um curvy. All these things. But even with that, they're trying. But even with that, you, it's still standardized. Right, you're trying to fit. Um, different body shapes into a, into a range. So doing, not, it yourself, yeah. doing it yourself, starting from your own measurements, it's going to be very different when you look at the flat piece of yours and somebody else's. Okay, I'm really excited about doing more dressmaking now. <laughs> Thank you. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Are you working on anything interesting or exciting at the moment? Have you got any interesting upcoming projects? Yes, I've got interesting up- upcoming projects. I'm working on a new website. Um, I'm currently making the content for that. I've made quite a lot. We've made over 10 different projects so far. So um, it's just literally like a maker's mess, really. So I'm calling it Chilino Valley Lifestyle, right? Because I'm into loads of different kinds of crafts. You know, I'm trying to, I'm putting all that out there as well. So it's not just going to be dressmaking, be DIY, be upcycling, it'll be food, baking, cooking, you know, just different, different things, you know, and yeah, a bit of something for everybody. But obviously my core will always be my dressmaking. I've got lots of dressmaking projects coming up there as well. You know, um, the freehand, I'm showing the freehand method and with the upcycling as well. So I just really wanted to share as much of that as possible, put out as much of that as possible as well. So it's all going to be coming out very, very, very soon. 
Oh, that's really exciting. You'll have to share that with us when you've got it live. Yes, definitely. So it's going to be Chinello Bali Lifestyle. I'm sure by the time this goes on, by the time you put this out, it will be it will be live. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Okay. And if, if people are listening at home as well and um, they want to sort of follow what you're up to, I, I know you also have an Instagram, don't you, that you update? Yeah, so all of my new projects, everything coming out comes on Instagram at Chinello Belly. I saw, was it was it dumplings or buns that you shared this week? <laughs> yeah, it was puff puff. So those are African donuts. Yeah, yeah African mm. donuts. Yeah, very, very simple to make. So I'm just like really, really easy stuff. They look delicious. <laughs> they are delicious. <laughs> they're, they're my guilty pleasure, honestly. <laughs> so I try not oh, to make them really too good. much. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up how to make those. Yeah, I've got the recipe right there. Go on my Instagram. Yeah, 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 I will. Because <laughs> uh, Sarah's been, you've been baking, haven't you, a lot? You've been doing a lot of bread and things on lockdown. Yeah, I've been, I've been kind of teaching myself to bake in lockdown. So I've got quite good at bread now, I think. But donuts, donuts I've not tried yet. Funny You're enough, so modest. I actually made donuts during um, the lockdown. That was when I learned to make proper donuts, was during the lockdown. Because my nephew was like, donuts, donuts, donuts. I'm like, you know what, let's make our own donuts. And they came out well, actually. So I was really pleased with myself. <laughs> my daughter made me make um oh what what's the american thing where it's like a twisted like almost like a twisted bagel i can't remember what they're called now they look, look like a like pretzel yeah she made me make pretzels but with rainbow buttercream frosting on top they Ooh. looked crazy they took they took like eight hours to make they didn't oh, wow. taste very nice but she was like i've seen this on youtube my daughter's five <laughs> oh. she was so I was like, well, yeah, no, what else are we going to do? We'll spend a whole day making rainbow pretzels. Sure. Oh, yeah, but that's nice bonding time. <laughs> yeah, it is. And no matter what, uh, no matter the outcome, they were made with love. So you eat them with love too. <laughs> yes, a bit like clothes. <laughs> well, not apart from the eating, but the making with love bit. <laughs> yeah, I think actually that brings us quite nicely on to our one good thing. So this is a thing that we do in each episode where we we share one good thing that's happened to us or one something that we're enjoying, whether it's like a, a film or TV series or podcast or just something nice that's happened. So I don't know, have, do you, um, have you got one, Chanello, or should we do ours first? No, go on, you? You, go, you guys go first as the host. Okay, so Zoe, do you want to start with your one good thing? Um, my one good thing is actually a continuation of a previous one good thing I shared. So I will stop banging on about this if you've listened to the other podcast. But so I've been making these knitted slippers and they initially haven't gone very well. Well, in that I didn't make them up very well, but I've continued and I'm still really loving my knitting. Am I allowed to have the same one good thing? So I finished yeah. them. I've unstitched them and restitched them together. It's just so soothing. I'm really loving the knitting. I'm in a big knitting zone Good at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we've just been talking about food and mine is a food one again, <laughs> which is a bit of a recurring theme for me. But I've been really getting into Great British Menu on the BBC. Oh, and yeah. I think I think there's just something really hypnotic about watching really good chefs doing their work. And it's just it completely takes you away from everything. Mm. It's just really good, easy watching. Yeah. And food is always a good one, isn't it? Always food, yes. <laughs> um, the stuff I, they make is so amazing. Oh, sorry, you, you go, Tinello. What about you? Um, so my one good thing would be, I'm really into shirts at the moment. So Ooh. I've been experimenting with shirts, so different styles of shirts, um, quirky, classics, um, shirt dresses. I'm really, really yeah. into shirt dresses at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so I've been, I've been churning them out, really. So I'm really <laughs> 
proud of myself. I've been making loads, loads of shirt dresses. Gotta love a shirt dress. They're so good. Yeah, they're so versatile and easy to style, like dress them up, dress them down. I just love, yeah. love shirt dresses at the moment. That's a great one, good thing. Okay, so one last thing that we need to do is Zoe and I always like to share our projects of the week from Gathered. So Zoe, what is your project of the week? Oh, mine is actually a kids craft one this week. Um, my two children have just finished from the Easter holidays. So we've, like like you said, Janella, we do a lot of crafting and making together. And we've got a new, um, it's not project, but it's more of sort of like a, a overview of all of our favourite rock painting ideas. So I really want to do, um, I'm going to be doing some rock painting with the kids this week and just finding different places. We've really got into um geocaching as well where you could like do treasure hunts so I thought we could maybe make paint some pebbles and do some geocaching oh that's a lovely idea what yeah. about you Sarah mine's also a bit of an arty one this week so mine is Alice Patterson's gouache butterflies so yes this is a really nice project so you paint these lovely little colorful butterflies by hand and then you cut them out and you fold them in the middle and you stick them onto a piece of paper so you've got this kind of 3d butterfly wall art and it looks really lovely that's a really pretty project it is really pretty it's it's so pretty so would recommend anybody give that one a go yeah give it a go yeah yeah it's definitely it's a good one for kids right well thank you so much for joining us chanello thanks for having me guys it's been a nice chat with you guys thank you for having me yeah it was lovely to meet you nice to meet you too thanks for listening we hope you've enjoyed this episode If you want to read more about the sewing bee, head over to gathered.how for our complete guide and a review of each episode. As a little treat, our friends at Simply Sewing Magazine are giving away a free Maria Maxi dress pattern when you sign up to their newsletter. Just follow the link in the episode description to sign up to get your free dress pattern. And don't forget, if you've got any thoughts or comments that you'd like to share about this episode, you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Gathered. 